The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. We got a real simple plan. One me and one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. You're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, is Reese Davis. Two top 10 matchups, a major road test, and perhaps the last one for Clemson and Stone Cold Locks that have been a little <laughs> shaky, just to be honest about it. This is the College Game Day podcast for Friday, November 4th. Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, and the great Bill Connolly and all of his fancy numbers coming in with SP Plus this week. Uh, we're going to make some picks. Bill, what's your SP Plus tell you without giving away too much on your pick about the big showdown in Athens? What's the big number of all of them that jumps out that could decide the game? Uh, Tennessee's defense is the single key to this game. Um, and, and that's if they didn't suddenly just flip a switch last week, I guess. Suddenly they were pretty phenomenal defensively. But that, that's that's the major thing here. Georgia's offensive numbers are elite. Their defensive numbers are elite. Tennessee's offensive numbers are great. Tennessee's defensive numbers are nah. But that's uh, that's why Georgia's favored. Tennessee's still sitting there, number one. That sort of falls in line with some of the things that Pete and I talked about on Wednesday, the Wednesday podcast about the various matchups and whether – whether Tennessee can stop Georgia from running, whether the tight ends are able to make big plays, whether Brock Bowers uh, is the guy who ends up dominating this game and proves to be the best player on the field, maybe in the country, and best in game, is brought to you by Old Dominion Freightline, helping the world keep promises. And the promise for Georgia offensively, if they're going to control this game, Pete, is going to be utilizing Brock Bowers often and most efficiently. Yeah, we're sort of in this great era in football of the dynamic tight end, and it's been such a fun evolution of the game. When you think about Gronk, you think about George Kittle, you think about Kyle Pitts was probably in the 20 years that I've done this as a National College Football writer, the single best tight end prospect, right? I mean, Kyle Pitts was just a freakazoid. And uh, I asked some NFL scouts this week about Brock Bowers, um, who obviously has a year left. One coach joked with me, he said, Bowers might be their best tailback, too. Um in, in that just, again, we talked on Wednesday about the headaches that he causes from that position. Well, the fact that he could take a jet sweep or he could take a handoff, like that's that just creates different different stresses on defense than, uh, than anyone can. So we are a year and a half through the Brock Bowers experience, which means we're going to have another year and a half left. And we just have to enjoy it because he is rare. Now, will he be picked where Kyle Pitts is in the NFL draft. We want to nip it. No, because he's not six, six, right? He's a little bit, you know, will he be able to, will the way he blocks, which is good. Will that translate? So all I'm saying is he's probably going to be a top 15 pick right now instead of a top five pick. And again, when you really start getting into how rare of a player is he conversations, those are the, those are the nitpicks on how they go. But I really feel like, uh, Boy, I get excited to watch Brock Bowers play. I mean, it's not even close of you know, who am I most excited to see on Saturday on, on Georgia. It's it's Brock Bowers by a landslide. Those those jet sweeps are hilarious because the safety is like, oh, they're okay, a handoff to the tight. Oh God, he's past me. <laughs> um, like they, you, you see them kind of just jogging towards it. Okay, a little gimmick play, and then they realize, oh man, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. 
This is uh, this is what uh, Pete was talking about on Wednesday that several of the coaches unsolicited brought up what a great job Todd Munkin has done, not only breaking tendencies, but being creative in different ways and handing the ball to the tight end in a variety of fashions. If you you know what, I we might even need to come up with a different position designation for him because he can do all the things a tight end can do, but uh I don't know if just saying H or you know, hybrid HY or even hybrid really uh uh, necessarily gives due credit to everything Brock Bowers brings to an offense. Well, he's from Napa, so maybe we'll just call it the Pino. Well, think about what you just said, and uh, sort of like the old Modern Family line when they would say something that sounded uh, sounded different. They go, "I just heard it." You know, <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like what we could call him. Um, I'm just disappointed that a- Virginia last you know last year on their depth chart when they were getting super weird on offense, they just listed Keaton Thompson as football player. Uh, I'm kind of disappointed that that didn't really catch on. That's actually a great idea. Yeah, they, they should put Bowers on the depth chart as football player or baller. Dude. How about just baller? <laughs> yeah, at the baller position, brought Bowers. There's no depth chart. It's just him. That's it. That be what a recruiting tool. Not not that Georgia needs another recruiting tool, but you would have guys <laughs> coming to town to be the next baller starter uh, yeah. at, at Georgia. That's a great idea. What do you say, Taylor? Let's make some picks and give the people what they what well what they probably don't need, but maybe they want. All right, fellas, week 10 in the race for the ribeye. The stakes are stakes, and we've got a tight one heading into the final month of the regular season. I won't divulge your overall records completely, but Bill's got 38 <laughs> wins, uh, Reese's 36, and Pete has 35. Pete had the uh, the first push of the season there with his uh, his lock last week. and uh, But Pete did top our week nine standings. He was four, three, and one. Reese was three and five, and Bill, two and six. Uncharacteristic performance, sir. Uh, well, it's not that uncharacteristic, but no, my numbers, my numbers did great. My lock hit. I was like, all right, probably had a decent week. And then you send the email this morning and kind of ruined my day a little bit. Mm, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it, it, it is really, it is really funny because Pete and I'll often on Saturdays, we'll go, who did you take in this game? And I don't remember. I think this team's going to win, but that's often because I, I may not remember precisely what the spread is. And also because uh, Bill, you've talked about this a lot too. No matter how much I try not to overanalyze, um, I, I do and think, oh, that number's not quite right. I'll go the other way, and that ends up hosing you. So, anyway. <laughs> did Ohio State end up covering or not? I just did not. I ask, they no, did not. Did not. Okay. Back I, door. Again, yeah, I thought it was a back door, and that was such a wacky game. So you you watch it. Sadly, you watch it with your pick in the back of your mind, right? Yeah. You know why? what gets gamblers, uh, you know, the, the allure of gambling, you can tell. So I'm like, oh, Ohio State's not going to cover. They might lose. And then it's like, oh, they're definitely going to cover. And then I think I honestly flipped, flipped to another game that was ending. Um, and then at the end, I was like, and I don't remember the number, but I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty simple. Now, did they deserve to cover the way they played the first three quarters? Probably not. So I'm not I'm not going to complain here. I don't. Sometimes you have a great pick and the game plays out, and then somebody like pure backdoors it like with a with a with a late kick return or something, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's not that doesn't do the game justice. Penn State did that game justice. They covered it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think Ohio State was on the cover. I, I think if I remember after the two and low out pick six, I think. Mm-hmm. And so it was yeah. sort of that. And then they got another touchdown. So it, it came out the way it should have. Penn State was the 
uh, with the points was the accurate call, and it turned out to be that way. So, yeah, Sean Clifford, by the way, for you know, I realize Penn State fans are probably tired that they're ready for the next guy and all that, but uh, he, it, it, despite himself, in a way, he has proven his resilience pretty incredibly through the years, and especially on Saturday because. He was throwing some great passes. Uh, he would have a disaster. He'd come right back and play again. So that last touchdown was it was probably justice, but also good for him for just continuing to peck away and, and finding some good plays, I guess. Yeah, he, he he keeps fighting for sure, sort of like us. We make the picks. We keep making <laughs> bad plays. We keep throwing interceptions. And we're back there to spin the magic bean again. Let's make some picks, Taylor. Let's spin it Friday night, 10.30 p.m., Pac-12 after dark. Oregon State at Washington. Washington, a three and a half point favorite. Let's go Reese, Pete, Bill. Oregon State being ranked by the College Football Playoff Committee, I thought was a good call and a deserved one. Um, Washington's been a little bit better at home than on the road. The number is low. I'm going to say, even though I I like the fact that Beav is ranked, they deserve it and I think they're good. I'm going to take Washington to to win that win that game and cover at home late night on Friday night. Funny things happen uh, on weeknights, Pac-12 after dark, and uh, the Beave just did curb stomp Colorado um, the the weekend that we were in uh, the weekend that we were in Oregon, and they they played really well. Uh, give give Jonathan Smith credit; he's he's brought that program. Uh, you know, he's he's in the midst of maximizing that program. That said. Washington Friday night home field advantage. I think pound for pound, probably a little bit more talented than Oregon State. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to take the uh, you know when in doubt take the take the home favorite on a uh, on on a weeknight in a short week. So I will go with uh, Mr. Penix and the Husky. Yeah, we're, we're starting unanimously. It's never a very good sign, I don't think. But I will. You know, trends point towards Oregon State here. Washington, you know, one of the things I try to follow with my numbers is not only like who's, you know, rising or falling or whatever, but who's who's overachieving projections, who's underachieving. And Washington, you know, they started their first four games all overachieving by an average of like 11 points a game because obviously they were projected pretty low. Uh, they jump into just about the top 20 in SP plus, and now they've underachieved for four straight games by about eight points a game. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of interesting, but also they have a bye week. They've got the best offense, like the best unit in this game is the Washington offense. Um, and I'm guessing, you know, the Cal game was kind of weird. That was the only reason they underachieved there. They felt like they were in control for the most part. So I think I trust Washington a little bit more in this game. ESPN tournament challenge is here and guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now, making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now, making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. 
the Ting and your Tang Tang game, Tennessee at Georgia. Georgia, I put in the email when I sent this to you an, uh, an eight and a half point favorite. I just checked. The line has shifted down to eight. So we'll, we'll keep it that. Georgia, eight point favorite for college game day. Let's do Pete Bill Reese. I'm taking the balls and I'm taking them to win. I'm going to take them to win outright. Like uh, I, I'm not in, I'm not involved in the super dog shenanigans, but I feel like where Tennessee is strongest, Georgia is weakest, and that's on the perimeter. And too many teams that don't have Tennessee's skill felt like they could exploit that Georgia perimeter. So I am uh, I am staying with Hyatt. I am riding with uh, Cedric Tillman, and I am taking Tennessee for the seismic upset that would likely cement them in the SEC title game and, and really, barring anything unforeseen, give them a playoff bid. I mean, it'd be it'd feel really weird not picking Tennessee right now, just because. I mean, they've already won the biggest Tennessee Florida game in twenty years. They've won the biggest Tennessee Alabama game in like thirty years. Uh, they had the perfect trap game set up last week with a really physical team that seemed to be able to challenge them in a lot of ways that maybe they hadn't been challenged, and they played their best game of the season by far uh, in destroying Kentucky. So, I mean, they're, they're just, they're rolling right now, and I'm going to pick against them. I'm going with Georgia uh, because I just think they're better still. Um, I think this is, Georgia's had, you know, Georgia's biggest issue this year is just attention span issues as much as anything. Like, they, once they decide, okay, well, it's time to go score, they can go score every single time. And their defense, obviously, without Nolan Smith, um, that's going to be, we're going to find out if Tennessee can, force them to blitz a little bit they don't really blitz they don't really pressure the quarterback they just let you commit to what you're doing and then they pursue with you know absurd speed and gang tackle and all those things that those Alabama defenses used to do so um, we're going to find out exactly how much you can test them uh, especially on the edge like Pete said I'm, I'm just going to this is like my old Alabama rule when in doubt pick the pick the heavyweight and until you have a reason not to so I'm going Georgia I was really hoping when you said it would be weird to pick against Tennessee. I had the line loaded up in my head and everything. I was going to say, well, let's get weird. because <laughs> I already did. Yeah, because I, I'm picking Georgia. Um, all of the things are true about Tennessee. They're definitely There's definite 2019 LSU vibes with this team, with the old quarterback and the explosive receivers and sort of uh, rising up out of nowhere. Um, but I think – I think Georgia has been overlooked and underappreciated and and weaknesses overly magnified. And I think that they they have a little bit of an attitude about it. And the one thing that no one has been able to do this year is to make Hendon Hooker get rid of it and fit it in the keyhole. I'm going to gamble that that Georgia can do that. I wish the spread were a little smaller, to be honest, because I do think Tennessee is going to put up probably minimum 31 points. Going to take four in the neighborhood of 40 to win it at least. Um, so I'm worried. I'm worried about the number for sure, but I'm picking Georgia to win. And if I'm going to do that, I'm not going to worry about the number. So I'll take the dogs to cover it probably barely if they do. Yeah, the, I, I assumed this would be a Georgia minus six and a half line. Like that just felt yeah. perfect for this game and it ended up a little higher than that. We may end up there on Saturday. Just a hunch. <laughs> Friends in arid regions. Yep, yep. <laughs> it is good! 
Meanwhile, in the SEC West, Alabama, 13.5-point favorite, headed to Death Valley after dark. LSU, let's go Bill Reese Pete. I'm mad at the playoff committee. Um, I'm always mad about about something, but really I'm just mad because it kind of screwed up the framing of my Friday preview. Like I was leaning heavily into the number one versus number two thing, and I'm still going to with Tennessee, Georgia, but I have to now specify, well, this is the AP we're talking about because the the committee went and made it number one versus number three. But either way, it's fitting that this is happening on Alabama LSU day because the last two one versus two games were, were Bama LSU. This one's kind of, speaking of trends, LSU is trending in the right direction here. Um, not just, you know, whatever it is, the six wins in seven games, I think. Um, but they have really started to figure out each other on offense. That means, you know, the offensive coaching staff and Jaden Daniels are both coming to understand what each other needs. Um, and they're running the ball really, really, really well. And you can kind of run the ball in Alabama. Tennessee did a little bit. Like, you're not going to get 30-yard runs, but you're going to get six-yard runs sometimes. Um, and, and it kind of seems like as long as LSU can – stay on schedule and and kind of manage the down and distance they can score a decent number of points here alabama might too uh but that that really you know the the longer this game is closed death valley at night all those things come into play and it could be really interesting i'm just not sure that lsu can stay on schedule enough um this is they're not going they're going to punish Jaden daniels for scrambling too much uh if he starts to do so i'm not sure lsu can find open receivers enough that's been the big thing with alabama is you know getting stretching them vertically and hitting some deeper passes i don't think they can do that and i assume alabama wins because of it or wins by a good amount because of it in covers so that number to me is huge yeah. for 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 alabama in in death valley it's just a, it's just a giant number considering how pedestrian Alabama has looked on the road. Now they obviously ran away from Arkansas at the end of that game, but that game was a, uh, that game was a slobber knocker for, for basically three quarters. And quite frankly, until Jalen Milrow went in and just ran away from the Arkansas defense. So I really think that, you know, I can't get over Alabama's pre-snap penalty issues when you're talking about playing in death Valley. I can't get over the drops in that environment. I can't get over how, pedestrian Alabama's receiver crew is, uh, you know, you could say outside Jermaine Burton and Jermaine Burton's fine. He'll be a draft pick and he's a nice player. So I just don't think Alabama is hardwired right now to go win by two touchdowns in death Valley. I think this is a, this is a game that Alabama wins and they barely win. And uh, I just, I, I have a hard time envisioning them doing to LSU what they just did to Mississippi State. And, uh, yeah, Jaden Daniels obviously will be the key for for LSU. He has to play mistake-free like he did the last two weeks. This is the ultimate test of one's development curve. LSU at night has been a situation that Alabama has owned. I don't recall the last Alabama coach not named Shula to lose a night game in Baton Rouge. They haven't lost at all there and since 2010, which was the last time that they were eliminated from the national championship race prior to the last weekend of the season or actually in the postseason, it was to LSU. And that's exactly what will happen if they lose Saturday night in, in Baton Rouge. Um, I lean to Alabama to win the game, but based on virtually everything Pete said and just a general sloppiness with which they've played most of the season – especially on the road, there's no way I'm laying two touchdowns against a good team uh, on the road. No way. I mean, should they? Probably. But I 
I'm not doing it. So I think I think Alabama will win, probably. But I'm taking LSU in the points. That's and you know I just don't see. I haven't seen enough evidence to think that they can play precisely and crisply enough, really anywhere, but particularly on the road, to make you think that they're going to go in and, and whack them by by two touchdowns. So I'll take LSU in the points. It is good! Texas, a two-and-a-half-point favorite, heading to Kansas State after Kansas State ripped Oklahoma State limb from limb. Very odd here. Let's go Reese, Pete, Bill. It is. It is a little, little bit odd. But you saw, you saw some of the um, respect that the way Texas has played, if not necessarily the results, um, manifest itself in the college football playoff rankings. With uh, Texas being the lone three-loss team in the rankings, sitting at twenty-four, I believe. So you know, this is sort of a a do or die game for the Longhorns in terms of are you going to have what can be perceived as a good season, uh, you know, maybe a really good one, or are you going to have a mediocre season? So it's a it's a pivotal game for Texas. I really worry about a team sometimes that played perfectly, you know, the week before of coming back and doing it again. But Kansas State has been so good. They've got two quarterbacks now, depending on what Adrian Martinez' health situation is. Uh, I think they're gonna they'll be able to run it some. If Howard's in there, they'll be able um, to pass it. Texas has a, a propensity for even if they get things going well uh, on the road and build double digit leads, that they fritter them away. And so even if Texas jumps on top, I won't be alarmed. And you're going to give me Chris Kleiman and this hard-nosed, tough Wildcat team at home, and you're going to give me a couple of points to boot? I'll take it. I'll go K-State. I'm most interested to see who trots out under center for the uh, Wildcats on Saturday. Uh, You know, Boy, Will Howard, uh, I don't want to say he he could have Wally pipped Adrian Martinez, but he could not have played much better, much like Kansas State couldn't have played and looked much better um, in that game against Oklahoma State on Saturday. Adrian Martinez is getting better. He did warm up prior to that Oklahoma State game. He's got a uh, he's got a lower body injury. Um, you know, the prevailing thought is that, you know, there's a chance he's back. But if you're Chris Kleiman, do you do you ride with the hot hand who delivered one of the most authoritative victories in the last you know since since one of the Bill Snyder eras for your school? I boy, it'd be hard to be hard to turn away from uh, turn away from him there. So I uh, I am you know one thing Texas has taught us as they've muddled through these past couple of years is when in doubt pick against them. Um, because especially on the road, especially against hard nosed teams, because they just have shown up a propensity to fade in the fourth. And and I don't see what has changed about them. There is always, when you pick against Texas, the pit in your stomach is Bijan Robinson could just go off for 225 because mm-hmm. he is one of the 10 best players in college football. Um, and it's a bit of a shame that when he's an all pro his third year in the NFL, people are going to be like, why wasn't he better in college? Um, Cause <laughs> I do think he has that kind of talent, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to ride the Wildcats as long <laughs> as they keep hanging 50 burgers. Yeah, I feel like I, I'm responsible uh, for defending computers uh, when it comes to Texas because um, yeah, the books maker, the, the odds makers are clearly still on Texas' side. And if you look at 
you know, pick your predictive rating of choice, whether it's SP plus or FPI or whatever, they probably have Texas higher than you would expect them to have a five and three team. Uh, and, and the underlying reasons for that are just that uh, down for down, drive for drive, play for play. They have been one of the 10 or so best teams in the country this year. They're just scrolling through some of their numbers. They're 23rd in offensive success rate against a, a high uh, strength of schedule. They're, they're efficient. Uh, they've made a lot of plays on defense. They stop the run about as well as just about anybody can ninth in rushing success rate. They don't give up many big pass plays. They just kind of, they, 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 they contribute a whole lot of good things to a given box score and if the season were 82 games or 162 games or whatever texas is probably one in the big 12 in that case over the long haul um they're also three and eight i believe still in one score finishes under steve sarkeesian and one of those was this year against an iowa state team that is just as bad in close games that's the only one they've won this year um they let Oklahoma State just peck away and peck away uh, and come back. They they figured out a way to – Texas Tech needed like six fourth down conversions, but they figured <clears> out how to come back and make that game close and end up winning it. It's just they either win a game comfortably or they, as everybody's been saying, they, they falter in the fourth quarter. So if the Lions – never mind what my numbers say, which it's about what the line says – if the game's close, it, why would you expect Texas to win it right now? Especially, granted, they beat Kansas State last year in a close game, but um, this is a this is a different Kansas State team, and I'm just going to assume, give them a couple points especially, I'm going to assume they figure out how to cover and win. It is good! Clemson, a three-and-a-half point favorite, heading to Notre Dame. Let's go Pete Bill Reese. So it's the uh, DJ Ui Ungalale Coda game, right? This is uh, where he had his breakout in uh, in in 2020, and where his recruiting hype was validated, and what you know sort of launched the the narrative of his career to inevitable success. He has obviously uh, had some failure in between, rebuilt. But we've talked about him a bunch on the pod. Really respect the way he's handled adversity, and grown from it. So it is kind of a an, an interesting fitting moment here. Um, for him going back to South Bend, where he did lose that game in, in 2020, um, but to still you know be here with with the high stakes that he's earned, Clemson, which by the way still has the longest winning streak in the country, we forget sometimes. Um, <laughs> that said, I got a feeling about Notre Dame in this game. Um, they really you know took it to Syracuse right from the opening pick six in that game, and and went through. Um, they found an identity running the football. Um, they're obviously very limited at quarterback. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be a close game. And I and I do think there's some Irish juju right now. Again, they'd be if they if they hadn't fallen on their face against Stanford, they'd be they'd be legitimately hot right now. Um, they lost that game obviously 16 to 14. But I figured I think they figured out how to best use the pieces they have. And I think Michael Mayer, uh, especially, we've talked a lot about Brock Bowers on the pods this week. Uh, Michael Mayer's had an outlandish season, especially because he's the only player they're really going to pass to on most pass plays. So uh, I'm going to take the Irish and a little bit of a uh, little bit of little bit of a juju here. 
I, I've been leaning that way for a while. And I started to realize over time, I'm pretty sure it's just because I'm kind of anti Clemson at the moment. Um, that was solidified on Tuesday night. Like they have no business ranking fourth in my mind. Uh, they should have been about seventh in the, in the playoff rankings, the, the whole ranked wins thing, because they have three teams that just squeezed into the, into the rankings that does nothing for me. Michigan should have been ahead of them. TCU had a case like, I, so it's kind of poisoning my thoughts right now, but I think uh, from a matchups perspective, they're still better than Notre Dame. Um, they, the one thing Notre Dame's been able to figure out on offense, especially, is just how to nibble. Um, they make they have no big play threats right now, or minimal big play threats. Um, but they can figure out how to gain four yards pretty consistently on the ground, and about seven throwing to Mayer or one of the outside guys uh, with the with the passing game. So that that's worked. It worked against Syracuse eventually. Um, I just don't see it working. If Clemson's really healthy on the defensive front now, they've been pretty underwhelming up front, but we know what they're capable of there. If they're finally healthy or close to it, I just don't see Notre Dame moving the ball. And that buys uh, Uyangalale, even if he continues to struggle a little bit, I think he's probably why they don't threat, pose much of a threat in the playoff if they make it. But I figure he, he, can, uh, he, he can do enough in this one. So I'm picking Clemson to cover. I'm absolutely picking Clemson to cover. And I have some of the I have some of the same questions that other people do, but I also feel like in many ways that I'm the outside of uh, Clemson, South Carolina. I'm almost like the last man standing who kind of believes in them, at least their defense. I have plenty of questions about their offense, that's obvious. But I I don't think the way Notre Dame is built, running the ball and throwing the mayor as good as he is. As good as they are running, you're not doing that, Clemson. You're you're just not. How you're going to beat Clemson or have a chance to is Wake Forest. Yeah. You know, take take a shot at their defensive backs. Like Tennessee, Ohio State would probably run Clemson out of the stadium. I mean, you know, just to be honest about it. But Notre Dame won't. I mean, I, I think I think Clemson wins this game handily. You know, not in blowout fashion, but handily. And they cover it, so I'm I'm going I'm going with the Roy bus, Dabo, poor old Dabo, just on the rest of y'all bus, and you know, see if they can somehow slop around, squeeze in, and get in the playoff where uh, old Reese Davis and everybody else, nobody's giving us a chance. So we'll see. Before we move on, there's one quick thing I want to mention. The NBA is off and running. Get your basketball fix with the Low Post. Zach Lowe is talking basketball with the smartest people in the business. Now twice a week, follow the Low Post wherever you're listening to this podcast. Last game before we get to your locks. Wake Forest, a four and a half point favorite over NC State. Kind of two different teams in two different directions. Wake Forest, blowout loss after a lead at halftime. NC State, comeback win on the road at Virginia Tech uh, with a freshman quarterback. Let's go, Bill Reese Pete. I've stared at this game all week. I have, I have no idea. I like just, just none whatsoever. NC State was super resilient, obviously, the way they pieced together, not only with the with a non-Devin Leary quarterback, but with their second choice in the game, um, coming in and and finally, you know, 
what I was saying about Georgia earlier, okay, it's time to be perfect and win the game. They did that against Virginia Tech, and it was really impressive. Um, but they're still so underwhelming offensively. And Wake Forest, uh, you know, for the whole season, by far, you know, has matched NC State's defense from a dominance perspective. They're still one of the most explosive offenses in the country. Mo- they, they were one of the most trustworthy offenses in the country until they decided to turn the ball over 38 times in the third quarter last week. And now I have absolutely no idea. Um I guess I'm just going to pick NC State because no, neither team really deserves to be favored. So I'm just going to pick the team that isn't. But um, I, this is not – neither of these teams are, are genuine top 25 teams to me right now. And, and I don't really trust either one. It, so I'm just going to say NC State's defense gets enough stops and wins the game. Uh, I'm going to go Wake Forest. And I'm going to say that the game against Louisville, while alarming, was just a nightmare aberration. I mean, Sam Hart, Hartman with six turnovers by himself, <laughs> uh, three picks and three fumbles. I mean, I think a guy that is as good as he is and has accomplished as much as he has in his career steadying hand as the head coach with and I think he'll bounce back in a big way. And I expect a really strong, precise offensive performance from Wake Forest. Now NC state defense is good, but I, even with the, with the, how they looked better. And I was watching that game Thursday night too. And they looked like a different team after the quarterback change. I still, I just don't think much of their offense. And I just think against a Wake Forest team that is anywhere close to normal, they're going to put up some points. And I just I don't think NC State can hang with them. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Wake Forest. I'm going to agree with Reese here. I, I just can't get out of my mind that that Wake Forest has won four out of the last five matchups. And in none of those matchups would you think Wake Forest had distinctly superior talent. So look, Sam Hartman had a Terrible, horrible, no good, very bad performance against Louisville. Nobody can deny that. But I think there's enough of a body of work there where he's uh, where he's allowed a mulligan. And uh, I, I, look, I think MJ Morris is a really intriguing quarterback for for the future. And give Tim Beck credit for having him ready for that second half. But I'm going to take Hartman and those uh, th- those those freaky Wake receivers to uh, figure out a way to move the ball down the field and uh, and and win. Don't be surprised if this game and most Wake Forest games aren't, uh, but don't be surprised if this ends up being low scoring. Just because I think both offenses are. Well, I don't think Wake's going to come out ripping it nine times on the first possession. I think you're going to ease Sam into things. And I don't think NC State is just going to magically recapture the, you know, the the second half juju that they had against Virginia Tech last week and, and keep storming. So, yeah, um, yeah I think it, it, you know, in that case, you just got to go with Wake. I, 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 I need it to be low scoring, I think, for, for NC State to cover. And it does spook me that the last two games in the series were both 45 to 42. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> This really is who do you who do you trust the most or who do you not trust the least? I get and I guess and we'll see. It is good. All right, fellas, let's shut it down with locks. Uh, pretty good week last week. Two zero and one. I don't think you guys have ever gone three and zero, but that's about as close as it's been. So <laughs> let's hear it. Whoever wants to go first can can dive on in. I'll give you a lock, and I'm going to go completely off the board for the lock because. Sometimes when you're on a podcast, you're on a show, you look for an opportunity, right? To to blend things that you care about together. 
right? So within the lock, I'm going to give you a dumb loses more than smart wins <laughs> lock, okay? Is that and I don't know my Eckridge what... Farm Smoke Sausage? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, maybe so. Did you guys see what they did to the kid at Stanford who wears the tree costume? Now, I'm not the biggest fan of the, of the Stanford band, sometimes sort of sophomoric, and the tree's kind of goofy. But the tree, because there's been some consternation on campus over the way the administration is handling parties, the tree, in true free speech fashion, held up a sign that said, Stanford hates fun. So, so they suspended the kid. Well, Stanford apparently does hate fun. They just proved his point for him. Stanford is playing Washington State. That is not exactly a headline game by any stretch of the imagination, right? Stanford has had trouble scoring, but I, I suspect they've won two or three. They're playing a little bit better, and there's part of me that wants to get on the side of you know the the kids who are railing against the administration and squelching their fun but then i started thinking now wait a minute the fun is in the winning well stanford doesn't do that very much these days the fun uh comes when you're right about something so instead of just trying to make a point and standing up for the tree i'm instead going to say that the fun is in the winning stanford hasn't done much of that Stanford apparently, according to this tree mascot, hates fun. And if they hate fun, then therefore they hate winning. So my lock is going to be Washington State going to the farm and covering the five. Okay. <laughs> I think I followed that. I... Bill, you hate fun too, because you gave me the you gave me the okay. All right. I tried really hard there and I got okay. So you know what? Stanford hates fun and Bill Connolly hates fun and SP plus hates His numbers fun. didn't indicate that we should have fun right now. So Yeah, well, I mean I, I didn't once I saw what how 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 my picks did. Um <laughs> I, I can I can go next. I the lines are not fun this week. They're very, very good. I tried to, you know, I, I try to get out, tweet out my SP plus picks as soon as possible in the week before the lines move and make them even harder. But even like Sunday night, like two thirds of the, of the, of the spreads were within like two, three points of SP plus. So it's no fun at all trying to find best bets. There's one line though, that I do not understand even slightly. South Carolina looked like garbage last week against Missouri. Missouri controlled their uh, offensive line uh, much better than like, I mean, Missouri's got a good defensive front and I still didn't really see that coming. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz was, was able to be as conservative as ridiculously possible for about 40 minutes and they still scored more than enough points and controlled South Carolina 123-10. South Carolina dropped like nine places in SP plus last week um, because of it because they just looked bad. SP plus still says they win by two touchdowns at Vanderbilt and that's including a home field advantage that we know doesn't really exist for Vanderbilt some of the time. Uh, I have no idea. I, I know Marshawn Lloyd's hurt or questionable or whatever. I have no idea why this line is seven. Uh, it's been seven, seven and a half all week. Um, that just, that's not nearly enough. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt should be able to, you know, hit a couple plays here and there, but South Carolina's defense is good enough to, to control this one. I, I, I see South Carolina win by at least two touchdowns here. I am going to, uh, I'm going to take my lock in the old American athletic conference noon, noon kick ESPNU for the hardcores Tulane is headed to Tulsa 
The Green Wave are seven and a half point favorites. And I really feel like the Green Wave's magic bus that they've gone on this year will be able to go into Tulsa and roll. This is a no surprises game. These coaches know each other well. They know their schemes very well. And and I just really feel like Tulane has shown us time and again this season that they're able to go win on the road and they should be able to handle uh, Tulsa, considering that Tulsa gave up 53 points to Navy and they gave up 45 points to uh, SMU. I think the Green Wave can go there and uh, and, and roll, uh, roll wave. You know, I'm getting heavy lobbying from the Crescent City of New Orleans that should uh-huh. Tulane win that game, to have college game day, come to New Orleans for UCF and Tulane the following week. I've gotten similar lobbying, but I don't have any juice. So that people are just wasting their time <laughs> lobbying me. Now I'd like to go to Giacomo's and uh, you know, uh, you know, have a nice, uh, you know, have a nice meal. And I certainly am, am, am a big fan of New Orleans and a, and a fan of Willie Fritz and the Wave. But uh, is that if it, do you think that could happen, Reese? What if Oxford co- comes off the table here? Um, I, I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's possible. I think a couple things have to fall in line. Don't forget. Two among the contenders. Don't forget Illinois. That yeah. week to home game against Purdue. Maybe a chance to you know, depending on things, to lock up the Big Ten West. Maybe um, you know those those types of things all are under are under consideration. But I think Tulane is is one that's being considered for sure. They're a great turnaround story. Too late, so you have to make sure that Tulsa doesn't ruin things for them, Pete. And there you went and tried to jinx them. By Champagne, New Orleans. Champagne, New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Fritz is one of my favorites. Uh, he's one of my favorite coaches, period. But he's also like the what they've done this year. I actually, actually, I don't remember if it was Schleyball or Bonagura, one of the people who do our bowl projections, um, posted like predicted like for the one of the NY six matchups, UCLA versus Tulane. And I kind of blacked out for a second because I cannot think of two prettier uniform combinations to be on the same field at the same time. That would just be the most gorgeous football game of all time. Two fun offenses too. You know, the fun thing about Tulane is if we were a couple of years down the road and these initial college football playoff rankings turned out to be the final ones, then Tulane would be in the playoff and Tulane's first round game under this situation would be against Georgia because though Georgia is ranked third by the CFP under the new system, top four, uh, highest four ranked conference winners get the buy. So Georgia would have been the highest ranked at large team and they would have played the lowest ranked team, which would be Tulane. So that, and that would have, that would have left, that would have left UCLA out. Uh, that would have left the Bruins out of the playoff field under, under that scenario so it's just something to think about as you look ahead i also think too like week 10 or whatever when isn't the right week to really dial in on that because (laughs) ucla or usc is going to lose again right like there's going to be there's going to be cases built and unbuilt um as as results come so i gave you the i gave you the caveat that if it were to (laughs) if it were ending like that yeah no 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 it's fair it's just to get people used to the exercise is all no no and that's why i look i asked the question are you like Connolly and you hate fun too i think that's what we've established here (laughs) i'm not alone in this 
I do. Um, I love the the top border thing, by the way. Like that's. I was worried that that was once they eventually agreed and on how the expanded playoff was going to look. I I was worried they were going to get rid of the conference champions get the buy thing. Um, just as like a you know Greg Sankey holding a grudge, if nothing else, and and putting his foot down. But I'm glad that survived. That's going to be some. It's just an extra carrot there for as we go down the stretch for like the Big 12 race and the Pac-12 race and the ACC race and all these things. And that'll be really interesting to follow. I'm not. I'm not (laughs) happy about it. And I'm also, I'm even less happy about the fact that there's no threshold for the conference champions to make it. Uh, Now, Tulane would make the, you know, any reasonable threshold. They would be fine. There will be years that won't be fine. And we'll have plenty of time to argue that on on other days for sure so gentlemen hopefully we will do better with our picks this week than we have in recent weeks a great weekend for the first weekend in november of college football coming up a blockbuster game in athens and a couple of uh, good undercards and something that i'll mention on game day tomorrow morning just in case you've forgotten florida state and miami play on saturday <laughs> too speaking of blockbuster games that are now uh afterthoughts so even even the afterthought games have some rich history in them as well. So enjoy your college football weekend. Best of luck. For the fun haters, Bill Connolly and Pete Thamel, I'm Reese Davis. We'll see you next week. Fun's okay. You guys in the Stanford administration, you just don't <laughs> like fun. Download this podcast wherever you like to get your podcast. We appreciate your support.